Overcoming addiction or substance use disorder is incredible, but speaking about it publicly takes it to the next level. I met my guest today at a local fundraiser. He stepped up to the podium in front of several hundred people and spoke for the first time publicly about his struggles with alcohol and his new and wonderful life after recovery. He is here today to talk about his personal story and the hopes that it will help others. Welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Thank you for your review, and I hope you will subscribe to stay up to date with my latest episode. Joining me now is Alex Greer. He is the CEO and founder of Funky Pickle Productions, and he's a local guy born and raised in Margate, New Jersey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Robin. So addiction or substance use disorder comes in many forms, and you are recovering from alcohol addiction, which is terrific. Congratulations. It's not an easy thing to do, I know. But talk to us about what you went through and the moment that led you to finally realize you needed help. Yeah. So, um, so Robin, like a lot of people, uh, drinking was just like always a part of my life growing up. Um, even as a kid, it was just always around family parties, things like that. Um, but actually up until late in high school, I really didn't drink. I was pretty resistant to the whole thing. Um, once I started drinking, I drank like everyone else, you know, through college, just having a good time. Um, and never really looked at it as anything that was really negatively impacting my life in any meaningful way. Um, I was doing well in school. I was doing well after school and, you know, getting great jobs and everything was kind of going well. So it never really dawned on me that this was slowly kind of creeping into a problem for me. Um, I lived in New York for years. I had a great job. I had a lot of fun. I went to all the shows and, 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 you know, live music and great restaurants and travel and did all those things. Um, once I started kind of working in the world of production and events, uh, music and comedy, alcohol is very pervasive there. So every night I'm out, you know, work related, really networking, going to shows, meeting up with people. And there's just always someone putting a drink in your hand. Um, so it just became part of my everyday life that I was drinking and just doing it kind of casually in a way that I didn't recognize um, that slowly but surely I was drinking way too much. Um, and it wasn't just for fun anymore. It was just kind of part of my life. Um, when you're living in New York City, you're surrounded by people doing the same thing. Um, it's hard to look at yourself uh, and say, I have a problem when you're in rooms full of people that are drinking as much or more than you. Um, but you know, if there's one silver lining of the pandemic, it gave me an opportunity to really step back and look at what was going on in my life. And when when all of the sort of fun chaos of, of New York City and, um, you know, my career was kind of pulled back and it was just me and I was still drinking, um, that's when I recognized that this was really becoming detrimental and it was not serving any purpose. Um, in fact, it was getting me to a, a pretty dark place. And that's when you realize that you needed help. What was that like? What was it like to actually be in this situation where you finally said to yourself, I need some help. I, I, I cannot do this on my own. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's why a lot of people don't do it. It's why I didn't do it for as long as I didn't do it. Um, it's really easy to sort of find everything else in your life to point to as why you feel the way that you do. I don't feel well. Um, I'm depressed, you know, I'm dealing with all sorts of 
stress and whatever, that's what the anxiety is. That's why I'm having these terrible feelings and thoughts. Um, you don't want to look at it as a problem because it's really stigmatized in our society, partly because it's so pervasive and it's, it's, it's just not something that people feel that comfortable talking about. Um, but, you know, I think it just reaches a point where when it's just happening every day and, and it's not doing anything to brighten your, your life or, or do anything positive, um, you know, you have to, you have to look at that and you have to realize, I mean, I got to a point where I just knew that emotionally, like I couldn't handle what was happening anymore. I knew that something had to stop. I knew that it was a problem. I didn't want to admit that, but um, you know, I eventually just got to a point where I was overwhelmed by it. And I knew that if I didn't stop, uh, the story was going to end pretty poorly. So, you know, I feel very fortunate to have grabbed hold of it when I did. Um, I feel very fortunate to have an amazing supportive family um, and friends and, and people around me that, you know, helped pick me back up when I needed that help. And then, you know, um, so very fortunate to have Lisa B in my life and um, her support helped me get to Enlightened Solutions and, and get into a treatment program that, you know, honestly, it was terrifying. It was a terrifying experience to have to go through all that. You don't want to have to break down to your family and, and talk about what kind of has become your deepest, darkest secret. It, there's a lot of shame, you know, associated with that. But ultimately, you know, I look back at that moment and what felt like such weakness is really like my greatest moment of strength. It was, it was my opportunity to like break free of something that was really negatively affecting my life. And from that point on, you know, it was, it was an opportunity to, to do things differently and, and, and um, have a new new lease on life and, and uh, you know, escape from the, 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 that, that dark place that I was in. That must've been a tough thing to do, but you came out of it on the other side and look how much better your life is now. And I know the point you want to get across, and I want to talk about Lisa B as well, because she's an angel on earth, but the point you want to get across is this can happen to anyone. You're living your life. You're successful. You're, doing, you know, the right thing as far as business goes and have, you have friends, you're, you know, just like many of us. And all yeah. of a sudden this just sneaked up on you and it can really just happen to anyone, whether it's alcohol or whether it's other substances, it can happen to any one of us. Yeah. And I mean, you know, especially alcohol, um, like I said, New York city, really any place where, you know, you go to a social gathering, there's always alcohol. Um, we don't look at it as a drug. You know, we look at it as just social lubricant. Like it's just part of our lives. It's yes. so people who would not do opioids or other types of drugs right. will stand there with a drink in their hand because they right. just, it's just so socially acceptable. Right. And, and you know what, for some people that's okay. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and preach that everyone should quit drinking alcohol. Do I think everyone would benefit if they cut back or stopped? Sure. But if, if you can handle drinking and it's not negatively impacting your life, then, you know, more power to you. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, you know, when it starts to go the other way, you don't want to recognize it. You don't want to, um, you know, admit that to yourself uh, and, and you can really get stuck. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's so important to kind of monitor where your drinking is. Why are you drinking? You know, 
are you doing it on a regular basis without thinking about it? Because we have to remember, like at the end of the day, this is a drug. It's an addictive substance. If you have enough of it with enough consistency, like that's that is how our chemical makeup works. You know, you will eventually become addicted to it. For some people, it doesn't take much. For some people, it takes a lot. But you know, I went years without ever feeling like it was really problematic until all of a sudden I didn't know how to stop and I wanted to stop, but I just didn't know how it didn't feel like I was in full control anymore. And it's a really, really scary feeling. And I think a lot of people can take a moment and look at the, the moments before they get there, because we all recognize it. We all joke about like, oh, I don't want to, I don't feel like going out again and, and drinking with my friends. I don't feel like doing this. I don't, you know, I don't feel well. I'm having terrible hangovers. Like you can see yourself going in that direction. It's just a matter of, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and, and being honest with yourself um, as to whether, you know, it still has value in your life. There are a lot of people I know that are in the same situation as you. They may not want to admit it to themselves, but friends of mine who drink regularly at home on their own or really can't go out without having a drink. And I think it's become more of a problem in their lives. But as you said, it's a hard thing to admit. And it's 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 sort of exposing yourself at your weakest moment. But I love what you said because it's not your weakest moment. It's your strongest moment. It takes so much strength to do that and to overcome what you what you did. Yeah. And I'm sure when you went to Enlightened Solutions, it's a it's a 30 day program on their look in their location, correct? You're on site. Yeah. So I know that like many re recovery centers, um, there's different ways that you can approach this, whether mm -hmm. you start going into a detox and, and you know, a full live-in uh, rehabilitation. I went to um, intensive outpatient therapy for a month, um, went out there three days a week, did, you know, group therapy sessions and, and different kinds of meetings and therapy. And, and really just like for the first time in a long time, um, looked at what was going on in my life. You know, I think that we focus so much on the shame of like the substance itself, that you lost control to a substance. You didn't. I mean, yes, you did to some extent, right? The addictive substance plays a role in that, but it's really that the problem's deeper. You know, there's something going on inside of you that makes you feel that you need this. You know, to some extent, it was almost like me trying to medicate anxiety that I didn't otherwise know how to deal with. And, you know, when it starts to take that turn, that's where I think it really becomes a problem because, you know, it's an addictive substance. It's not made for medicating things. So, you know, I think that there's other ways to go about looking at what's going on in your life. It's really hard to do it when you're clouding your vision constantly with substances and, and just kind of avoiding ever reflecting upon these things. So, you know, that was the first step toward opening up and being really vulnerable. And what's nice about that as well with many treatment programs is that there are other people that are experiencing the same thing as you and you don't feel alone. You understand that this is a problem for many people and you get to hear their stories as well. Yes. And there's really something to that. You know, there's something to, to that shared experience. Um, you know, in the, in the same way that you don't feel like you can talk to people about this, it's very easy to talk to someone else that's been through it or is going through it. 
um, you know, I, I had a really hard time accepting, you know, that I was one of those people, you know, you, you, I was as guilty of the stigma as anyone else, you know, I felt like I couldn't fit in that category. But what I realized is I'm just like all of those people. And it's okay. In fact, it's, it's great to recognize that because now you're on your path to, you know, improving your life um, and, and talking about these things. And that's the most important part about this whole process is, is being able to get it out, talk about it, self-reflect and, and understand what's actually going on. So you can treat the real problem at, at the core of any sort of substance abuse. And we met at a fundraiser. Uh, Lisa B. sadly lost her son, Matthew B., to addiction. And she has done amazing work in our community to help others overcome this problem and to avoid what she has gone through. And it's the Matthew B. Memorial Fund. And we met at that event and you spoke publicly for the first time about what you went through what was going through your mind at that time? Um, yeah, uh, so, I mean, I look at Lisa like a guardian angel. Like she swooped into my life. You know, she'd always been family friend, but in that desperate moment of need, like she came up in, in a way that I could just never even imagine. And, you know, it was scary to have that phone call and, and it was scary to take those first steps, but she made it so much easier um, and, you know, she, she rallies so many people to, to support families from, like you said, ever having to go through the tragedy that she's experienced. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's really. And in a very non-judgmental way, there is never uh, judgment at all. And that's just amazing. Absolutely. Um, but what was also beautiful is she was very straightforward. I remember being on that phone call and her asking me, you know, how old are you? And I think 36 at the time. And she's like, oh yeah, no, this will be the rest of your life if you don't do something about this now. So like, we should, we should do something. And it was, it was blunt, but it was loving. It wasn't judgmental. It was just, hey, you know, like there's not really turning back at this point. Like if you keep doing this, this is just what it's going to be. And that mm -hmm. was kind of where I was accepting that. And I think there was that bluntness that just made it like, okay, we'll give this a try. I mean, I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. So, you know, she's just, she's amazing. So, you know, she, she is she, amazing. And uh, to, to take a tragedy like that and to turn it into something good and positive for other people is just, she is truly an angel. And yeah. I just give her so much credit for being able to do that because, I, you know, to, to think about what she has gone through, it's, it's, it's incredible that she can actually move forward from it and do good for other people. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when she asked me to speak at, at the event, um, I was at first a little surprised, um, but after talking to her about it, um, I really felt at ease. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time to, to speak more openly about what I went through and, and where I'm at now, because I'm a much happier, healthier person now, and I, I'm not going to go back. You know, there's, there's no desire to, to go back to that lifestyle. And I feel confident in that. And I want other people to be able to hear that. But it's scary to take that first step and, and get out there. And, and, yes, and yes. I, I, I was amazed that you did that. And you even said that when you spoke, you said, there are people here that aren't going to believe that that I know in the community that aren't going to believe this story, that I'm saying this right now, yeah. which I came up to afterward because I thought, 
I have had alcoholism in my own family and I know it's a difficult thing to overcome. So I just wanted to meet you and invite you on my podcast because I thought it was such an important topic to share with other people and let them know, yes, you can live without it. It's okay. You know, I know you've been out in social situations and other people are drinking. So you get a soda, you get a glass of water. It's not as big a deal as you might think. And I think the pressure is less now used to be, why aren't you drinking? Come on, have a drink. I think people get it now. Like you do you, right? A hundred percent. And you know, like there's bars that specialize in mocktails now. Like it's it's yes. a thing. It's totally acceptable. So that part is me is become becoming a little bit easier. I think the hard part is just what you're so used to. Any kind of change is is tough. Any kind of change, like let's be honest, this is a drastic one to to take something like that out of your life. And then to start realizing that certain situations, certain people, certain places, whatever it may be, just it, it's not for you anymore. It's a hard thing to come to terms with because it, you go through a little bit of an identity crisis. Um, that being said, you work through it. You know, you get to the other side of it and you realize the reason that you don't want to do those things anymore is because you don't want to do those things anymore. And it's okay. It's okay to just evolve and change and and do more fulfilling activities. You know, you realize that so much of my time was spent hanging out in a bar, talking about nothing, not remembering conversations the next day. And that's empty. You know, that's a, that's really a big waste of time and money. I have so much more time, so much more energy, so much more opportunity. Um, you know, and I don't think you realize that until you get to the other side and you start taking those steps and you get through those first couple of barriers that that feel uncomfortable and 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 you know challenging but that's why you have to just lean in you have to you have to self reflect you have to find people to talk to about this kind of stuff you have to put the work in to improve your life and then all of a sudden the rest of it starts to make sense you don't need all of these other things in fact it was really a distraction and a weight that's now lifted off your shoulders i bet it is and it was probably weight lifted off your shoulders to speak about it publicly just to kind of like exhale and say i did this and i'm open about it and i know you said someone else came up to you and you know they think they might have a problem and and you've already touched someone's life yeah i mean that's really what it came down to for me is if me sharing my story has helped one person then it was worth it to share because i know for me some of the sources that that really sparked me to like think about sobriety. They were not the ones that I thought would be, you know, the most influential, you know, reading about a, a comedian and game show host that, you know, I did a little bit of that in my, in my life as well. So like that was something that I related to, but otherwise I didn't really know this person, but just kind of seeing a little bit of that mirror there and hearing that person's story and how much better their life got afterwards. And really, you know, it was really because they changed their life that those are the things that made me kind of start to think about it and it still took time but you know if you can plant those seeds and and let someone just think a little bit more about what they're doing because that's mm-hmm. the number one thing we stop and that's what lisa b does with her with yeah. her fund for her son the matthew b memorial fund raises you know we had this event a fundraising event and that money is used for people to go into uh, treatment 
who might not be able to afford it otherwise. And she has a, a, a wonderful relationship with Enlightened Solutions. And many people have recovered after going there and live a full life, just like you're doing now. How long has it been for you? Um, we're coming up on about two and a half years. And um, what's life like today? It's, it's a lot better. Um, you know, like I said, the first thing is you get a lot of time back. You kind of feel like you're a different person because you have so much more time, so much more energy, just a completely different perspective on, on life, what you want to do with your time. Um, I really kind of started focusing on things that had depth and, and, and meaning. Like I, started a business and yes you know I talk I to me about that funky productions. Uh -huh. um i wouldn't necessarily recommend starting a business in early <laughs> sobriety um it's, it's a very stressful thing but um it did serve to keep me busy and keep me focused on on other things um other than just kind of adapting to a new lifestyle um I, I fell in love with playing pickleball and, and just was, I was out there every single day and I was meeting new people and, and building a community and just um, really falling in love with this sport and the community that exists around it. And, you know, that provided a different type of support that I really needed in that time. You know, it's like the, the catch 22 about getting all this time back is, oh no, what do I do with all this time? So you have to find <laughs> ways to, to fill it. And, and once you do, and you start finding fulfilling ways to fill it, then you kind of forget about all the other things. In fact, I started to look back and like I said, realize what a waste of time and money and, and you know, all of that. So, so many of my activities were prior to, you know, getting sober. So, you know, I played- Now your activities surround something healthy. That's right. Fitness and exercise. It's a different way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's still so fun. Funny. It's more fun. Yeah. And it, it's so funny that the running joke about pickle pickleball is how everyone becomes so addicted to pickleball and when people are throwing around that term and I'm like on the courts and people don't really know what I'm going through I was just always laughing about that because you know what this was my now my healthy addiction this was the replacement for my addiction sure if you and, have to be addicted to something let it be a sport right that's right that's right so you know after after just really growing to embrace pickleball and the community that existed around it um my wheels started turning and um, I wanted to start creating events again. You know, that was what I did before the pandemic. The pandemic kind of pulled that away from, from all of us really. Um, and I just wanted this opportunity to like get back out there and start doing something that I love to do. And now with this new thing that I love to do. And after going to a pickleball tournament, I realized that we could use a little work on, on how the pickleball tournament experience looks and feels. For so many people, the sport is social and recreational it's fun you go out you play then you go out to dinner with your friends you build kind of a whole lifestyle and community for yourself around the game but the tournaments were very much just a competition and they lacked kind of any sort of energy or dynamic people weren't really hanging out and, and engaging they were sort of playing and going home and that felt really like a missed opportunity you know people want to hang out and, and connect that's they why they're fun. They want to have fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God forbid, right? We have fun. Um, so I I thought, you know, I had I had built an event called Weeby Spelling, which was a fun comedic spin on a spelling bee to raise money for charity. 
And I thought to myself, if I can make a spelling bee fun, I can make pickleball really, really fun because people actually want pickleball, right? They don't necessarily want a spelling bee, but they, they want pickleball. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I just got to work and um, brought together both my career experience and producing events and activations and, and experiences. And then all of my different passions. I love funk music. I love comedy. I love pickleball. So it's like, how do we jam all this stuff together, create a, a really fun environment, food, entertainment, you know, br bring people together in a really positive way and also raise money for a cause. So we started um, raising money for the AMI Foundation. They have the um, mobile mammography van that travels mm -hmm. around South Jersey, providing um, mammographies for, for women that, you know, um, need a mammogram and, and it's just it's really it's really something awesome that we're able to like have this awesome community event um create a block party type atmosphere play a game raise money for charity i mean that's what i'm proud and excited to be spending my time doing now that is fantastic so hence the name funky pickle because you like <laughs> funk music which i do too i love yeah. funk music so that is that's fantastic and are all your events for charity or some of them are not for charity so I, I love to just keep a, a philanthropic um, piece to everything that I do. I think events are just, it's easy to, to do a little bit of good with an event. Um, I can't say that 100% of, of what we do is is purely philanthropic. Um, we are building, you know, an entertainment business around this as well. But um, we do incorporate causes when we do these large festivals. Um, so we're now in Ventnor. This is, we're going on year four. Um, we're going to, that's, that's our home our home court and uh, I got to come this year. That sounds uh, like a lot of fun. You that sounds like do. a lot of fun. When is it in the summer? Um, it's the last weekend of July. So that's become okay. our weekend, uh, July 26th and 27th this year. Um, before that, we'll be down in Miami. Um, this will be the second time we're down there uh, in April, April 13th. And we're supporting um, Shane Battier and his foundation called Battier Take Charge. Uh, which gives out scholarships to kids, um, actually helps a lot of kids here in Camden, which is really cool. Um, and we're we're looking to kind of continue to expand, do some stuff around Philly, um, potentially New York. We're, we're just looking to kind of grow uh, our footprint because, you know, for me, pickleball was a lot of things, but it also really served uh, this, this important role of just giving me purpose and connection and, and, and fun and, and happiness, you know, in, in a time when I really, really needed it. And uh, don't we all <laughs> actually don't we all. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's really personal to me. And I also realized like it, it can do that for other people. You never yes. know what anyone's going through. Right. I mean, we never know. So no, you don't to, to be able to give a game to someone and, and, you know, bring them, joy even in those couple of moments you never know how that can impact someone's life that is so true and especially yeah. around something healthy like that i'd played tennis my whole life which is at first i was like no i'm not going crossing over to the other side i'm not playing pickleball and then <laughs> i played and i was like it's actually really fun i have it's to admit so it because they were taking so our fun. courts away you know <laughs> right I, I get it i understand the rivalry, but believe it or not you can play both things you can <laughs> wow. and both are very social but pickleball even more so i have to say because it's yeah. sort of like you play a few games you step out it's not like tennis where you have to play a whole match and you're there for a couple hours you can go play pickleball for 45 minutes and then leave you know it's kind of nice like that it's Hello. a lot of fun 
I, I dare you to pull someone off the course after 45 minutes. No, no, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But if you had to, you could leave. You're right. I know, because yeah. I, I play it with a group of people that uh, they're talk about being really into it. Everyone's really into it. But yeah. everyone talks to each other and laughs and has fun. And that's the nice part about it. And if you can build your social life around a sport, it's so healthy and it's such a great thing to do, whether it's the gym or or a sport or even just walking with a friend. If you can build that into your life, it's it's such a healthy way of living. Yeah. And you know, for me, people talk about how pickleball is not, you know, as physical as tennis and it's not necessarily a great workout. Well, personally between stopping drinking and playing pickleball, I lost about 30 pounds in in uh, four or five months when That's I first, amazing. Uh, the weight just came right off after <laughs> running around um and don't you know, let anyone tell you it's not a workout it's a workout that, that's right. it is that's a workout right. i played it and i played tennis for 35 years and it believe yeah. me it's a workout it's, yeah you just work different muscles it's a different mm -hmm. type of workout. but yeah. you know, what's, what's also so beautiful is like i i have this friend group now that is people from their mid-20s to their mid-70s. And sometimes we all get together. It looks like a family reunion. It's so funny. <laughs> and I, I would never think that, you know, what what thing in our lives brings together guys, girls, you know, all different age groups and walks of life. And like, we can really hang out and, and have fun. We, that we is amazing. And it's not just for the older crowd anymore. We should make that That's point. Right. Yeah, That's everybody's right. playing pickleball now. My 23-year-old son plays pickleball now. So it's yeah. it's funny how it has spread. When I first heard of it, I don't know how long, 12 years ago, I was like, what is that? I didn't even know. And now there's professional tournaments and it's crazy, you know? So you you really, you know, hooked onto a great idea here and I wish you well with it. It seems like it was, it came at the right time in your life. Yeah, yeah, you know, I... I definitely looking back, you, you start to see all of these things and, and why things happen and when they happen and, you know, do they happen for a reason? And um, I, I don't know, I, I, but I like to believe that they do. And, you know, I think that it's important to see those silver linings and, and not take everything at face value because you don't know how it's going to change your life. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate that everything sort of worked out the way it did because five years ago, if you told me that this would be my life right now, I would have never believed you. Even two and a half years ago, I would have yeah, never believed you. Right. So, you know, it's it's just amazing to see um what can happen when you, you know, take hold of your life and, and make changes. Um and there's to, a lot of gratitude there. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Very grateful for your many blessings and and for the work you put in because you had to do it, no matter what anyone says you still have to do it and and you did it so it, i give it, you a lot of credit is, and yeah. i'm going to see you out on the pickleball court soon yeah let's go do it Adam. <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate it alex that was not an easy thing to do and i appreciate it and thank you for being with me today for living well with robin stoloff empowering you to live a healthier life i hope you'll subscribe and send me a review if you like this podcast and I'll see you next time. Until then, keep living well.